162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Today on the ZabeCast, Kevin Sheehan joins me from the Team 980. We talk NBA narratives. Derek Jeter on Twitter and the absurd run of NBA and other finals appearances for the city of Boston. All that plus the coming summer lull in sports radio and a quarterback blazes it up and gets cut. Your bonus, uncensored 35-minute wild ride of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up, man. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Wednesday, June 1st, 2022. Thank you for downloading. Before we get to Kevin Sheehan, I just have to pass along this little nugget that I found so hilarious. How serious is football in the Southeastern Conference? Well, a reporter for USA Today sent out a photo that said, at this conference table tomorrow... All 14 SEC coaches will convene for their June meetings. (laughs) And it's a picture of an empty table. It's like, well, here's the table they're going to be sitting at. That's it. It's just a a conference table shaped like a sort of a semicircle. But yeah, they'll be here. Nick Saban, meanwhile, has defended his saying that Texas A&M bought their entire recruiting class saying, I never said anyone did anything wrong. He essentially said, ah, I was just pointing out the facts. So, yeah, we'll see where that one goes. I got some email here. You can always reach me at zabe at yahoo.com. Thank you for everybody reaching out. Dave Baru says, Clay Thompson, Zabe, you didn't mention it, so maybe you haven't seen this. Clay Thompson's 37 points in the third quarter is an NBA record. He had nine threes in the quarter, tied a league record for field goals made in a quarter by going 13 for 13 from the field. He is also the son of Michael Thompson of University of Minnesota, number one pick in the 78 NBA draft, born in the Bahamas, first foreign player to be picked number one overall, decent 13-year career, mostly with the Lakers, averaged 20 points per game once in that span, and won two championships as a bench player for the Lakers. Yes, I was aware of all this. I I know Clay Thompson's backstory. But, uh, yeah, P.S., a little Bucks trivia for you. In the 2011 NBA draft, Milwaukee chose BYU's Jimmer Fredette with pick number 10. Golden State picked Clay Thompson next. Oof. Also, Kawhi Leonard went 15 that year and Jimmy Butler number 30. Kyrie Irving was the number one pick. Enos Cantor is now Enos Cantor Freedom. He was the third overall pick, and he's been basically frozen out of the league. Well, you can do that with any draft. There's always going to be mistakes. 
in retrospect. That's why they say hindsight is 2020, meaning perfect vision, because it's hindsight. Anthony Dinga emails to say chipping suggestion. Ooh, I'm all ears, giving, given my chipping woes. He says, Zabe, hope all is well. I'm glad the Capital Golf Gang is back. Been listening to you guys quite frequently. You and the boys are more than welcome to join me out at Dominion Valley Country Club in Haymarket. Just let me know. Ooh, I might have to do that. As far as your chipping, I went with the toe chip method. Stand like you are putting, close to the ball, raise your hand so the heel is off the ground, and then strike it like a putt. My goal with chipping is is that the one method I can trust when I have not hit a chip all day and I'm sh- and I'm unsure of the lie, whether it's buried in high rough or on a tight spot or could be in dirt, who knows, this has worked for me. The toe chip. No worries about getting the leading edge stuck or blading it. He sent me a helpful YouTube video from some guy in Britain sitting in a simulator on flat AstroTurf showing you how to toe chip, which I don't think is even the point. Because my point was, you got a ball sitting on a very mangy, bare, sandy, dirty lie. And you've got to just delicately chip it onto the green. That's the hardest thing in golf right there. You give me a nice fluffy lie, hell, even us Stonehammer, Stonehands guys can put it on the green somewhere. This one from John Hepner. What's up, Johnny Hep? Zabe, regarding Super Dave Osborne, don't forget Bob Einstein was Albert Brooks's brother. So the comedy ran deep in that family. Fair enough. And then there's this. Patrick Moran says, Zabe, I want my summertime. Longtime listener, love the show. It was good to have the pod back after a long weekend. Thought you might cover a bit of the Colonial and the debaculous meltdowns, paging you, Harold Varner. But maybe tomorrow. Actually... While we're here, everyone got a second? I'll give you my thought on this. Scott Stallings caused a 20-car pileup with a ridiculously lengthy ruling after airmailing the green on number 12. Now, look, Scott Stallings was within his rights to go get a rules official and say, okay, what are my options? But I think it took, I'm not exaggerating, 26 minutes to finally sort out. He had a... TV tower in his line of sight, which was a temporary immovable obstruction. And he was given relief from that, but he could only go in a semicircle to the nearest point of relief, not an option. But the nearest point was to the left, which was down an embankment near a, uh, a water hazard, which might also have been blocked out by trees, which you don't get relief from. So he looked at that and he's like, mm, I don't like that. So after much dickering and dithering and walking back and forth, and everyone's waiting for him to play, he realizes, oh, there's a sprinkler head here near my ball. I'm going to take relief from the sprinkler head. I'm going to do it over here to the right, and that's going to get me closer to unlocking the right option of relief from the TV tower, which he liked because it was on flatter ground with a better angle. And then once he gets to that spot, he realizes, oh, there's a giant FedEx cup Hollywood-style sign with eight-foot letters that spell out FedEx Cup that is now impeding my shot, so I'm going to get relief from that. So the rules official's there, and he says, okay, put a T in the ground. Now now take your driver. You get two club lengths, one, two, and he's actually literally going through the FedEx Cup sign. 
He's on the other side of the sign. He puts a, a T down. He takes his stance. He's like, no, I'm still obstructed. He gets another drop from that. Two more club lengths. Meanwhile, Varner is standing on the green waiting over a 25-foot bogey putt because he had a buried lie in the bunker. Stewing, no doubt. But he seemed to be keeping a pleasant demeanor. And these pros, this happens. They've got to keep their head about them. Still, it's totally unfair. Scott Stallings finally gets the drop he wants and takes forever again to line it up. And how far do I have? Hits a 40-yard pitch shot short, makes bogey himself. 26 minutes later, the whole field's jacked up. Behind him was Scotty Scheffler waiting as well. They were saying it took nearly an hour for him to play a hole and a half. He ends up blowing up. Varner four putts for a triple bogey on the hole. Missed two three-footers. And then he doubles the next hole, par three. I mean, it was just a disaster. Here's my take. These pros should have to make their own rules decisions. And if they're wrong, if they fuck up, too bad, and people notice it, and they call them on it, penalty, disqualification, know the fucking rules. And you should have five minutes to do it. Five minutes to play your shot. That's it. You know, you call the official in. Oh, what do I have here? Can I go here? It's like tick-tock. We're here for a good time, not a long time. Okay, off my soapbox. Anyway, Patrick Moran says, Steve, I've waited nine long months and endured a dreary Wisconsin winter and spring to get to this point, the tenderloin of the Wisconsin calendar. So to end the first official show of summer with the mamas and the papas, all the leaves are brown and the sky is gray, what the fuck is that? I don't care if he did make a fool ass out of himself on national TV, I still want my fresh prints and summertime. Don't leave me hanging, Zabe. Other than this, don't change a thing. The podcast is superb. Patrick Moran in Pewaukee, Wisconsin. You know what, Patrick? You stick around to the, you're right. You're right. It is time for the great summertime close to the Zabecast from now for the next 100 days till the start of the football season. Count on it. It's coming. Right now, let's get to our man, Kevin Sheehan. All right, joining us now on the Zabecast, Kevin Sheehan from Mornings on the Team 980 and, of course, the Kevin Sheehan Podcast, the man who got zero for 17 dates right in his mock schedule release. Which and you say, well, I was going to say, you say that's actually par for the course. Yeah. I can't believe you don't get at least one or two. And I'm not insulting you. I'm, I'm actually admiring the level of commitment you put into it and you still go over. Yeah, I mean, I have gone over much more over the years than I've gotten one or more than one right. But I give myself, you know, some credit for various things like my mock schedule predicted that they would play Chicago on Thursday night football. Now it was in December that I made the prediction that the game would take place. It's give myself a half a point for that one. That's pretty Um, good. Why why did you think that was going to be a Thursday nighter? Did it have Amazon prime written all over it? I don't know. I knew you know, every team has to play a minimum of one Thursday game a year. Um, I don't know if you know how this works. If you play more than one Thursday game, it has to be either the opener where you have plenty of time to prepare and then plenty of time to rest. You get the benefit of the rest 
or it's got to be from Thursday to Thursday, like the Cowboys have done a couple of years with Thanksgiving, and then they played the following Thursday night. But every team, from a competitive standpoint, is required to have one of those short weeks for the pre- for the preparation of a right. Thursday night. Right. Right. They would be playing a Thursday night game, and I have had this feeling for a few years now that these primetime games in Washington, they don't want them in Washington anymore. It's a terrible look with a half-empty stadium in a national television setting. If you look, their other primetime game this year is also on the road at Philadelphia. Um, the la- last year they had a Thursday night game at home, but it was in week two. So I think the league was figuring, well, at least they're not going to be turned away in <laughs> week two. Optimism will still be somewhat fresh <laughs> right. and, uh, and the weather will be nice. So at least we got that going for us. Exactly. So I, then I just looked at the games and I just guessed Chicago. Yeah. So there, well, there you go. go. That was the, the half point yeah. uh, I gave myself for this year's month. And, and now Kevin begins the long wait we are 100 days exactly from the start of the NFL season. And June is when things go eerily quiet before training camp comes and we get to the summer months. And I'm just wondering, having done this like me more than a few laps around the track, does summer sports talk radio annoy you, energize you, bore you, or what does summer sports radio do for you? You know, our good friend Andy Poland once said, everybody's got one show in them, but try doing a show <laughs> in early July by yourself sure. for three to four hours. Um, you don't like me this time of year, no. I don't think. I mean, it all depends on you know, who you're working with. And, you know, I, I, I went doing a podcast with Tommy on any day of the year is easy and it's fun and it's energizing, but like grind out three to four hours a day by yourself at this time of the year. It's not my thing because, my, you know, high season for us is season. high season for you in Milwaukee is foot. You know, so I, I just think that that's the easiest and it's the most fun. And really more importantly, Zabe, it's the most energized your listener base is, is during Correct. a season, you know, September through the Super Bowl. And so that makes it, you know, more fun to do. I think uh, I think sports radio would benefit from shutting down for a whole month to, <laughs> to clean out the pipes and the beverage lines of bad takes reaches and just horrible, you know, I'm desperate for anything. Let's take a month off. Now, you know, our friend, Mr. Tony got to take off two months in the summer, right? July and August. Right. Well, I mean, you know, if you look, you know, at just the guys on TV at ESPN, they take all of their time over the summer. I mean, my good friend, Scott takes a lot of vacation over the summer. Look, you and at one point in time contracts that we weren't really allowed in football season, nor did we want to. That was, you know, that was really when, you know, it was time to pay the freight. You know, this is when, you know, advertisers were interested, et cetera. So, yeah, I don't, it's much more of a grind in the summer, 
than it is, right. you know, during the fall and winter. Well, we're not there yet because the NBA finals are set, Boston and Golden State. You tell me, Kevin, have being a big follower and fan of this league, this association, what is the overall narrative to the league as we go into the finals? Well, it feels new and different. Um, even though it's the Celtics in their legendary sort of brand and the Warriors with their more recent iconic kind of brand. But it feels new because they've never played each other. Look, I think this was a terrible postseason until Friday night. I think Jimmy Butler's performance on Friday night is one of my all-time favorites. And I know we get caught up in the in the recency bias. Of, of the moment. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the recency bias. But I thought performance i thought he was the best defender on the floor friday night he was the best facilitator and he was the best scorer in a game in which they were facing elimination in the most hostile arena in the nba which is boston's um and by the way he was hobbled you know with both knees ailing i thought it was one of the greatest individual performances and i even though i think the heat would have been destroyed by the warriors in the final I was rooting for Butler to get it done on Sunday night, and he nearly did. Well, I mean, he had an open three <laughs> with nine seconds to go you, to give them the lead. You say open three. Others say rushed, off balance, and that's not your game, bro, three. that I had no problem with it, and I knew immediately there was going to be a debate over it, but I had no problem with it. It was in rhythm. Yes, he could have attacked Horford. He could have gotten to the glass and maybe even gotten an and one and, and – lead but i think he at that point had earned the right and it really looked like that team zabe was out of gas friday night sure and somehow they made this miraculous down 13 with three minutes to go and they had a chance to take the lead and maybe win it right there i didn't have a at all and you're right he's not the greatest three-point shooter but he is a clutch three-point shooter and has been one of the real clutch players in the league for a while i just i thought that friday night performance was up there all time i legler's my favorite in analyzing the games legler's the best because he still coaches he's still involved and he said with scott and i was texting back and forth with him he goes that's lebron's performance from 2012 in the boston garden which was his first breakthrough performance where he went for a triple double in 45 but this one was a better two-way performance because butler was the best defender on the floor right uh the two stars of the series tatum and curry maybe not top top shelf superstars but they're the next shelf down Otherwise, here's two teams that could be described as stay-the-course teams where they didn't try to then shake everything up after some disappointments or, in the case of Golden State, to panic after they had Clay Thompson go down for damn near a year and a half, stayed the course, added some role players, and now they're in the finals. That's a good narrative right there. It is, and you know, the without Durant getting back to the finals and potentially winning it is also interesting. I would say this statement: I think Jason Tatum has moved into kind of that upper echelon. Okay, like I, I, more I than think, Curry. Um, Curry's been, you know, a borderline top five player, so he's in the conversation. You know, 
you've got to go back to 2004, the Pistons of 2004, to find an NBA champion without an obvious top five-ish kind of player, right. superstar on the team. This league is about having one of the best players in the league to win a title. You have to have one of those players to win a title. But I think Tatum's entered that realm. I think he's that good. Um, but Curry's kind of there, isn't he? I mean, I think so know. too. But you're right; he's not the singular get his own shot when the game is on the line, all-purpose six-six wingman type of superstar that the NBA has been putting forth now for 25 years. Yeah, but Curry's the best. Curry's been a top five player when they've won the title, oh, and he's back no playing at that level. And I'm going to win it. Tatum is that good, and maybe he's not there yet. And that's the interesting thing about the NBA playoffs historically is you kind of have to earn that right. You've got to go through it a little bit. I think Boston's actually the better team, but I think experience is so important in the finals, and Golden State has all of it, and Boston has none of it um, with this group. So I actually like Golden State to win the series, even though I think Boston's actually better and deeper. Um, but I just don't think it's their time. If I'm not mistaken, JaVale McGee won a ring with the Warriors, right? Ex-Wizard? He did. I'm okay. pretty sure he did. Otto Porter is now in line to win right. a ring with the Warriors, ex-Wizard. How yeah. far away are your beloved Wiz? Well, they're a long way away because they don't have anywhere close to a top five player in the league. And if you don't have like a top ten player in the league you don't even make make it to the finals usually and Bradley Beal's their best player and they're about to pay him 246 million dollars and make him one of the top three or four highest paid players in the game and you could make the case he's not one of the best 15 in the game you know if he's your number one player your highest paid and your best player you're never going to go deep into the postseason and he's gonna and he's gonna take that money he doesn't want to go anywhere else yeah, apparently he is. And I the mean, Wizards will pay that money because they don't have anyone else to give that money to. So they've got to have a quote star, right? Sounds like a contract match made in hell. It, it really is. I agree with it. And, and the, the, the sad part about it is that Bradley Beal's one of the players who have said, you know, loudly, I want to be here. I want to play here. And he's a great, he's a really good player. And he's, the fact that he loves D.C. and he doesn't want to leave, so appealing. But the bottom line is, they're never going to contend in June this time of year if right. he's their best player. He's, a, he's an elite scorer, Zabe. And you could make the case that he's right around, you know, 14 to 16 in terms of the best players in the league. But he's not, he's nowhere near top 10. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, by the way, the city of Boston will now have had 19 finals appearances across the four major sports since 2000. That's amazing. It is an embarrassment of sports riches, the likes of which <laughs> I've never seen by one city in my lifetime. The Patriots nine times, the Red Sox four, the Celtics three, and the Bruins three. By comparison, we've had in, in D.C. two finals appearances since 1980, no, 91, when the yeah, Redskins 91. went. Yeah, we've had the Caps and, and the Nets. Two in 30 years, and Boston has had now 19 since 2000. So, you know, 
I think it's been interesting with the new brand and the team. And you, you've got these loud dumbasses on, on Twitter that <laughs> are like the get on board or get out people. Oh, you know, yes. I mean, they, they, the, they represent maybe 1% of what's left of the fan base. The commander jihadists. <laughs> yeah, but, but here's the thing that's so ironic. They're always hashtagging take command at the end of their tweets. <laughs> exactly. What's so ironic is that people like you and me and the people in the media, we would benefit so significantly if the commanders were really good and if this city had had winners over the years. You know this. The guys that have been doing sports talk radio in Boston have made a mint over the last 20 years. The money and the bonuses and the ratings have fallen from the sky. And (laughs) all they've had to do is take their hat off turn it upside down and run around and watch it fall in there for, uh, uh-huh. for the entire run. Uh, the junkies tweeted this out uh, this morning, the commanders slash Redskins have been utterly mediocre in the nineties post Gibbs. That'd be Pettibone Norv. They were a 41% winning team, uh, in the aughts, Marty Spurrier, Gibbs 2.0, Zuba Zuba Zorn. They were a 44% winning team. That was the hot period at 44%. In the 10 in the teens, Shanny and Gruden were a 39% winning outfit and Rivera so far is at 42%. Stink, stank, stunk. Yeah, I mean, and w- worse than that is there hasn't even been like a season. You right. know, just one a pop-up where they season. were really good. Yeah. You know, like everybody's had the worst franchises in the league, like Chicago went to a Super Bowl. You know, Indy got the break of, of drafting Peyton Manning, and that's what you can you you can you can get lucky in this league by drafting Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Peyton Manning, and and that can overcome all of the stink, stank, stunk at the top. Right. But I mean, Dan Snyder since he took over been two play wins two in the and one of the two came in the year in which he just kind of assumed control of the team right before the season started and couldn't make the changes that he wanted to make which included running brad johnson out of the building and re and and redoing that trade so really he is credited during his tenure for one plus win it's a bottom feeding franchise and you know, I don't even know how much, you know, we've been talking about the stadium recently. I don't even know how much I'll like the team, if at all, in, in six years. <laughs> when they finally get something built somewhere, right? But and, at the same time, we would all benefit if they oh, were good. No, please. Like, they got to be good. Otherwise, right. otherwise, it's a really tough uh, slog. You're thinking of the Dick Geron Bears, who are one of those pop-up <laughs> seasons. Yeah. They went thirteen and three in one and and they oh, yeah. lost they lost their first round playoff game against the Eagles. They got crushed thirty three to nineteen. But but they went immediately back. They were here's their their seasons leading up to that one year. Four wins, four wins, six wins, five wins, thirteen, then lose in the first round of the playoffs, then four wins, seven wins, five wins. This team hasn't won a, more than 10 games since 1991. No, right. They, just a pop-up season, a season where it all comes together it, it, magically. And it, and hasn't it happens, happened. It happens in this league. It's designed to happen in this league. You know, it's like I, I've said for so many years, it's like you don't have to be a good franchise to have a good season. And they, they're not a good franchise, and they haven't had a great season. The league is designed for even the 
first of franchises to have that one, as you called it, a pop-up year. And they haven't even had that. Yeah. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Are you going to watch this uh, match uh, tomorrow? Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, and Allen. Any interest? My son just told me. He's like, and I said, wait a minute. No professional golfers are playing in this? No. Why not? You you know this better than I. Why not? I think they realized the pros were getting in the way. And nobody likes the pros. They uh, They want the athletes. The athletes are good enough. Nobody's tuning in for the golf, so why does why not get all the athletes? They may go back to some of the pros, but they've kind of mined all their can they can mine when it comes to interesting pros. Remember, DeShambo was in this oh, thing yeah. last year. Yeah, I mean he's on a milk carton right now. Mocked him. Rogers <laughs> mocked him at times. I know it was hysterical because he's a weirdo, and now he's hurt because <laughs> he's been trying to swing the golf club a billion miles an hour, and it's like, bro, you hurt yourself. That was couldn't see that one coming, you idiot. Mickelson is completely, you know, in hiding because of the Saudi thing. So I don't know. We'll see. I just hope there's real trash talk. Like I want them to really dig into Mahomes, who's now announced a second kid. Coming on the heels of his first kid, his his right. his his wife is really cranking them out, man. What what are the hand, what? So we've seen a lot of Rodgers and Brady. We we know they can play. What what are? Do you know what Allen's handicap is? Do you know what Mahomes' I, handicap is? I don't know. Um, Mahomes is supposedly a single digit. Allen might be the same. We'll see about that. Uh, both Rodgers and Brady are kind of weak single digits. Like when I look yeah. at them, I'm like, okay, these are guys that don't play a ton of golf, right? But they're super athletic, so when they do play, they're not going to suck, right? They're but they're not Curry. Uh, I don't know. They're they're not Curry. They're Curry's not. Old. Isn't Curry a plus? He at might this point be. or am I? Yeah, yeah, he might be. Well, let's not, let's not get into handicaps, Kevin, because you uh, play frequently and you have a actual handicap at an actual club, and you know how handicaps actually work. Because <laughs> had to get into it with one of our good friends, Ron Thomas, who who played as a three handicap in our trip to Myrtle Beach last uh-huh. weekend, and I said as soon as he turned it in, I go, "Bro, you're not a three. You play in amateur events." 20 times a summer against 25 year olds, you're 53 and you break 80 all the time on hard courses in tournament conditions. If Playing you were to the tips, right? I said, if you were to play and of course in at Myrtle on some really hard courses, a lot of marsh hazards and scruffy little lies and Sandy lies that require death chipping and everything else. You broke 80 every single time. I'm like, nobody else did that. 
<laughs> if you played on fluffy, soft grass courses of 6,500 yards with friends just on a late Thursday afternoon, you'd shoot 68 and you'd be a plus two. So you want so so? It's not that he's response. It's not complaining about his handicap. He, for all that Ron knows and loves about golf, he still this concept still eludes him. That it is the that is the casual round on a course you know like the back of your hand that's not very hard that you shoot one or two under that fucks your handicap. Right. He never plays those. He plays competitive events all the time. So, of course, his average score is like 74. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Well, right. the, the answer is, Ron, let's just enjoy each other's company. Today. <laughs> We're not playing listen, for anything. Listen, I didn't mind that he played as a three. He could have played as a scratch, which I would have made him. He still would have won because the rest of us were a bunch of drunken monkeys who couldn't put the ball in the hole, but that's fine. Right. Uh, Derek okay. Jeter is finally on Twitter. Any thoughts on that, Mr. Sheehan? Uh, get off of it. Um, <laughs> I think there's a level you get to where it is so beneath you. You know, I don't, you know, I remember, am I right about this? Was this you or was this somebody? That I quit Twitter for a year? the one to get onto Twitter because you thought it was just too I was, toxic? I, well, I was resistant because I didn't get it. It not so much that it wasn't that was toxic. This was in 2012, maybe, and right. I was mocking it. I said Twitter will be gone in a couple of years, and I was totally wrong about that. What made me understand Twitter was when an article described it as a microblog, and I go, "Oh, a microblog! I get it now." It is like a tiny blog. It's only 280 characters, a photo, a video, a quick point, a message, a link, a story, fine. And then on top of that is the toxic hellscape of people flaming each other and calling them stupid pieces of shit and everything else. But Jeter had resisted this for a long time, and now he's on. I'm trying to think of the highest profile people in sports and media that are not on Twitter. I think John Buchagross isn't. I think Legler, your boy, is not. Legler is on it, but he never, ever tweets. It's been years. There are a couple of because you, you typically, you know, if you've got a guest lined up, you'll go to check out their Twitter. And I've noticed in recent years, there, there are three or four of them. They're not popping into my mind as to who they are, they are media-wise. And then there are, there are athletes that aren't on Twitter. There are, aren't there quarter, a couple of quarterbacks that are not on Twitter, starting quarterbacks? At this point... Is Aaron Rodgers on Twitter? Yes. I'm pretty um, sure. <laughs> okay. Brady's but, not on Twitter, is he? Yes. No, he he's fully all... Yeah, he's in. Uh, hold on. Pey- Peyton Manning wasn't on Twitter. Aaron Rodgers, at Aaron Rodgers 12, 4.5 million viewers. Or yeah. uh, followers. Uh, who right. else did you say might not be on Twitter? Oh, I don't think Peyton was ever on Twitter. Okay, Peyton I don't Manning. Think Breeze was on Twitter. There, there were. I uh, Peyton Manning does like not a- have a personal account. There's Omaha Productions. Okay, yeah, but that's not him. Uh, no, no, it, well, it's his. There were several quarterbacks that weren't on Twitter. Maybe they are now. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of fake Peyton Manning accounts. Uh, General Peyton Manning, <laughs> where, where they've turned him into a Civil War general. <laughs> right. Which is pretty funny. 
anyway, I don't know. I, you know, I, I've tried to be much more focused in my usage of Twitter so that it works for me though, so that it, it serves me in a way. And that's why I changed my, my slogan on my Twitter header to, I ain't here to fight the whole internet today. <laughs> yeah, because that would be a total waste of time. But that's what Twitter yeah. is. You, you, do you want to fight the whole internet about anything? No. Come on, come like, on in. That's tw- the water's but, warm. <laughs> but you know this and I get, you know, pushed on this. It we were asked by program directors and people to to, to do it oh, more. Yeah. I don't tweet a lot. I I, I don't mind tweet your upcoming guests. Up. Tweet your yeah. segments. It'll increase listenership. That's and I what say, I do. and 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 I say, it sounds like a good idea. You have no fucking proof it works. You have to then show me somebody who is on Twitter but not listening who says, "Oh my God, I've got to stop what I'm doing and go turn on the radio and listen." Well, what. Let me give you a perfect example of that. You're right. Because when I tweet out my podcast, the numbers are no different than when I don't tweet it out. Really? No difference at all. And that's a direct hot link where people can one click and And, land on the content you're promoting. So you found that? And it's, well, I I get the numbers for every single show. So I know when I now... I have a podcast account that, like Aaron Oster, basically runs. Right, that tweets the show out every day. But I, I, you know, retweeting the show or tweeting it out from my account versus not doing it, the number of downloads doesn't change yeah. at all. Now, what I will do on occasion is I'll use it to like tweet out a timestamp of a specific thing or an interview or something Cooley did or something Tommy said, or, and, and sometimes that will help generate like kind of an incremental um, number on a weekend or something like that. But no, um, look, I, I understand it, it, why they want to do it. I'm with you. I don't know that it actually generates any meaningful, you know, additional, you know, listenership or whatever, but at the same time, um, they don't know that, and they believe that it, yeah. it's the end-all, be-all. I just can't stand the uh, the interactions and the you know the the, the trolls that are trying oh, yeah. to get you started. I just I'm not. It's been a while since I've fallen for one of those things because I don't even engage. Yeah, but well, don't worry. Do Elon, like Elon Musk is going to game. Elon Musk like, is it. You like doing that. You like tweeting during the game. I, I agree. A game that I'm watching that I know most of my listeners are watching. That's fun. Watching. I don't mind doing that. Right. That's fun. But well, I'm not tweeting out what the salmon looks like at Whole Foods, <laughs> like some people we no, know, bro. That's that's for Instagram. Okay, fine. And I don't have time to talk TikTok with you because that's a whole separate conversation. Yeah. All right, right. Let me let me end on this. What is the one thing on the golf course with friends that will drive you nuts? Ooh, good one. Well, I'm God, if I say this, the person might know exactly who he is, but the the, the guy that will try to correct your your swing and give you a lesson oh boy on the course oh the, boy stop the unsolicited uh the yeah. unsolicited david ledbetter to the, help the unsolicited the unsolicited ledbetter from a 15 no less oh like oh. i mean is it I somebody mean, who you're better than and they still want to fix enough. your swing yeah <laughs> 
Um, so that that's probably more than anything. What about what know, about music? I don't. Well, I mean, different places have different rules. I actually don't mind music. I don't care when somebody's talking in my backswing. It never bothers me. Well, that's good. So I'm totally okay with music. Uh, and and wouldn't and and it depends on the group, right? It depends. Here's why I hate music. The reason okay. I hate music is if somebody else is playing it, I don't know if I'm, chances are my musical tastes will not jibe with theirs. And I'm not saying mine are better. I'm just saying they're they're not going to jibe. Number one and number two. Inevitably, you have to keep muting the speaker because there is a ton of micro conversations crucial to managing your way around the golf course with a cart partner that get obliterated by just the lightest amount of music in the cart. You say things like, is that you over there? Yeah, I think it's by the creek. Do you need a wedge? You know, just little things like that. You go, what? I can't hear you. How far are we? All this other stuff. It becomes a hassle to me. I just as soon rather not do it. I'm I'm fine with what you just described, but a Friday afternoon, nice weather. You're off in the summer. I at know. If it's your three, playlist, and with you're three the one really good friends that yeah. listen to the same music, and you've got, you know, you've got your cooler filled to the brim <laughs> with with beers and Tito's. That's fine with me because it's not a serious round, although it can become that. Um, but no, that, that I don't mind that at all. All right, Kevin Sheehan podcast. Get it wherever podcasts are sold, as they say. And, of course, listen on the Team 980, uh, 6 to 10 a.m. weekdays, 6 to 10, 6 to 9. How many hours do they make you run? Uh, 6 to 9, uh, three hours a day. Three hours is more than enough. All right, Kevin, thanks for your time tonight. I appreciate it. We'll talk soon, all right? All right? I'll, talk, I'll talk to you soon. All right, see you. Thanks, Ed. See you. Okay, we'll end on this today. Quarterback cut by fan-controlled football league for smoking celebratory joint yes indeed jason stewart is his name he was cut from the zappers of the fan controlled football league this is one in which i think the fans can log on and help call plays i believe the total pro sports entity that runs the league says while the fcf fully supports players' irresponsible use of cannabis. Unfortunately, it is still illegal in the state of Georgia and is banned by our venue and hotel property partners, so our policy of not allowing smoking at these sites is well known by all of our players. Womp, womp, womp. In a separate video on Twitter, Stewart, the quarterback, said, Plants over pills, man! I did it for a reason. If an athlete scores and goes to drink a beer, it's okay. But heaven forbid we hit the gas. Come on. Let's think about it. Stewart appeared to hand the joint to former kicker Donald De La Haye, who said, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen. But is it now? With marijuana becoming so accepted and gummies and you know edibles becoming such a part of the landscape, is it even still... A bad boy thing, like, oh my God, he's smoking a joint. I'm not sure it really is, but okay. Good run, Jason Stewart. I guess you'll have to find another fan-controlled football team to land on. What What do you think he was getting paid a week? Enough to pay for his weed habit? Drums, please. <laughs>
Maybe. Maybe not. All right, that is a wrap for today. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, making the Zabecast a part of your daily podcast diet. As always, spread the word, rate and review. It tickles the algorithmic overlords. And if you want me on Fridays, subscribe for a mere five bucks a month and it will help support this podcast and future ventures. Have a great Tuesday, Wednesday, everybody. Week's going quick because of that 3D weekend. Have a great Wednesday, everybody, and we will see you next time. A little bit out of control, it's cool to dance, but what about a groove that soothes and moves romance? Give me a soft, subtle mix, and if it ain't broke, then don't try to fix it. And think of the summers of the past. Adjust the bass and let the Alpine blast. Pop in my CD and let me run around and put your car on cruise and lay back because it's summertime. A hundred and sixty-two games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit three hundred dollars and play with two hundred dollars instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway, all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com.